Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Launched water balloons at Bathing Beauties in large fields. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Wait, what is going on with the intros? Lately? That that was, was that actually there that was factual. We can just ignore them at this point when we don't even know what they're talking about. No, I, I think you've forgotten what what that's about. I used to tell you, I was telling you about the um, gigantic slingshot that um, some gentlemen used to use on a college campus where there were people sunbathing like 400 yards away and you put the water balloons in it and they were pelting uh, parents on a parent's weekend and people sunbathing with these balloons. So uh, totally factual drop right there by money. Thank you, money. Somehow we ended up back in Mark's 1992 college experience again. (laughs) Something we can't escape somehow. Uh, Yes, this is the Around the NFL podcast presented by the United States Marine Corps. I am Dan Hansis. I am joined by, as you've already heard, two great heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? I'm really into this week 14 slate. I I had to do an article on NFL.com, the debrief, looking at the 10 biggest games the rest of the year. This slate, this week, the primetime games, it's the best primetime slate all year. But overall, it's the best group of games. The the next three weeks are going to be a little bit of a letdown compared to what week 14 gives us. I mean, way to sell the rest of the season there. I don't. Should I just? Make I mean, up it'll be fun. January? I'm just saying, this is it. Get ready, like get ready. That's all. Well, this makes sense. We've done this long enough. Where the, when you get to week 15, 16, 17, there's going to be some dogs because the with each passing week, naturally, more and more teams are playing. Essentially, looking ahead to 2021. That's just the way this works. But you're right. This has some really saucy games uh, this week. Looking forward to it. We're going to go through each one as we always do draft style. Uh, But before we get to the draft, let's get through the primetime games because we got a killer primetime slate, uh, starting with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Buffalo Bills. And uh, Mark, I don't want to say the Bills eclipse the Steelers uh, after what we saw in week 13 because that would be recency bias and that wouldn't be fair. However, 
If there was ever a time <laughs> not to catch the Bills, I feel like this is it for the Steelers because the Steelers are in a little bit of a funk, obviously, coming off their first loss, but have not played well the last couple of weeks. And the Bills just like looked like a world-beating team um, against the Niners with Josh Allen just playing absolutely out of his mind. I think it's well said, and I, it's okay to have a little recency bias because you want to see teams peaking now, and that's, that's the Buffalo Bills to me. I, I just think that Sean McDermott, um, he's just got this smooth leadership style. I look at Brian Dayball and what he and Josh Allen did. They're mind-melding right now. It's a mental meshing. And I think that Brian Dayball heard all the flowery words from me and others about Kyle Shanahan before that Niners game, and he decided to (laughs) conduct an orchestra of his own against the Niners. And I'm just watching Josh Allen in that game and in general sort of just this complete calm almost as if he's, you know, meditating in the middle of the forest. I think this is a team right now that is in sync, and uh, I Pittsburgh is not right now. This is a Buffalo team that I think is peaking, and at the right time, so I would be very concerned for the Steelers. Is he going to lock it up? Um, I have another lock coming, but I feel very okay. good about Buffalo. I think that you and I feel the same way. I don't know how Greg feels. Okay. Uh, I think it's a tough one. I do like the idea, Mark. Are you suggesting that Brian Dable was thinking of going into San Francisco with a bunch of vanilla, like, run, run, pass, let's just get through this game? But then he heard Sessler um, talking about him and ca- talking about Shanahan. He was like, I that's guess I better bring works. out the big guns. Yeah, that's, I, I just accredit it to that. So you're probably not factual. <laughs> I think I like um, this matchup for uh, Pittsburgh, though. I, I really do. It, it kind of when you're thinking about hmm. the how you want to predict games, like what do you put more stock into the whole season or the last two weeks? The last two weeks, the Bills have been the better team. It's been the best defense they've had all year. But I think when you look at what Pittsburgh does well in terms of their defensive line against this Bills offensive line, which I think is their biggest problem. Uh, I think they match up well. And then you think about what Pittsburgh does on offense. They dink and dunk down the field, and they're a team that Buffalo is defensively that'll let you do that. They're not going to come after you. So I think the matchup after a loss does not set up that poorly for Pittsburgh. Yeah, and there's a reason Mike Tomlin has been at 500 or better with Super Bowl appearances uh, during his long run in Pittsburgh because he's a good coach, and it's a great staff. And that, I would think, serves as a bit of a wake-up call. What happened on Monday, and Greg, I think you and I are on the same page with the idea that it's poten- it's possible that the Steelers, that loss will help them. And there, you'll see some of this tightness uh, disappear that we saw. All the drops. Unbelievable how many drops. Uh, but then you think about maybe the reason we're seeing so many more drops from this particular team is because all they do is pass the ball uh, because they can't run it. It's been a real mess. James Conner has missed the last two games on the COVID-19 list. And they have not had a 100-yard game since week six. They had three in the first five games. So things there was great balance to enter, begin the season. But Benny Snell has not picked up the, the pace. He's at, he, uh, he is averaging about three yards a carry. And it's putting Pittsburgh in a situation where Ben has to throw it over and over and over again. And he's throwing short more than ever. Yeah, it's not what you think of Steelers football. So I, I'm with you on that. The, the lack of balance last week against Washington um, – well, I would put it in the category of disturbing. But how about a little appreciation for Cole Beasley, who right now has more yards than A.J. Brown. He has more receptions than D.K. Metcalf and more 100-yard games than Tyreek Hill. I thought he was fascinating against the Niners. And this wide receiving group, um, I think they can do damage. This may be the AFC's best group of wide receivers. Mm. 
It's it's weird that Pittsburgh and Buffalo are playing, and Buffalo is clearly the pass first team. Like if you trust that defense matters, it's Pittsburgh. If you trust that the passing game, which is what I usually trust, matters more, it's obviously Pittsburgh. Beasley's great. Uh, but to see the buy-in with Stefan Diggs blocking on the goal line and making ridiculous catches, it all like lines up because Diggs is number one. I just think this matchup is as as good as the Bills have faced. If you look at the defenses they've faced this year, it's a it's a pretty tough slate, and it's so big for home field advantage for Pittsburgh, and it's big for the AFC East for Buffalo. It's kind of like a which way are these two teams going to go down the stretch? Uh. Two notes on the Steelers' defense. They have three of the top five pass rushers in terms of QB pressures this season, but they just lost one of them. Oof. Bud Dupree in Week 12 went out with the ACL. Uh, obviously, that's that's an issue. Uh, and TJ Watt, uh, he is he should be the front runner for Defensive Player of the Year at this point. He leads the league in sacks, QB hits, tackles for loss. Uh, he is just doing it all. And I never thought this would happen. Uh, and maybe it's not there. Maybe we're not there yet. Uh, but T.J. Watt and J.J. Watt, J.J. Watt at his peak was a dominant player, uh, one of the most dominant players on defense we've seen in the last 20 years. T.J. Watt is starting to knock on the door of entering that stratosphere. Uh, some good, uh, pretty good bloodline there in the Watt family. Nice genes. Nice brother, genes. two brothers winning defensive player of the year. Like, it's it's outrageous. Poor Derek Watt. He's like, he should be feeling great about himself. He's having a nice NFL career. What are the odds? And his brothers are just like making him look like chopped liver. On, on the positive end, he doesn't need to pay for an Airbnb. He just goes to JJ's log cabin, tosses cornhole, have, has a couple <laughs> brews, takes his girlfriends there, and life's not so bad for him either. A solid benefit right there. We're just – oh, let's pick this game real quick. I'm taking the Steelers. I think they bounce back. You know Mark. what? I'm going Buffalo. 23-21. A lot of people will be agitated with the Steelers, and the Steelers fans are a very agitated group right now. They'll get back on track, but I believe in Buffalo. All right, I think this is going to be one of the games of the year. Let's say Steelers by a field goal, 31-28. All right, let's now transition to the other big primetime matchup this week, and it's a gorgeous one. The Baltimore Ravens traveling to Cleveland to face the Browns. Ravens 7-5, Browns 9-3, and and knocking on the door their first double-digit win season in a dozen years. And I'll start this way, Mark. Do you think, let's remember what happened week one. It was a blowout. The Ravens destroyed the Browns 38-6, and you thought it was more of the same from both teams. It hasn't played out that way. Do you think we're seeing two very different teams now 13 weeks later? I do. I do, especially on the Cleveland side, that I think that, you know, we, you're able to look at the Browns and say, what is their identity? It's easy to, to, to see. I mean, you could, it, that's not true of almost every other Browns team this century. And I don't think that was super clear in week one. Um, to me, I think the Cleveland Browns experience this year is a cleansing of some sorts. I mean, they've been through so much. And the Ravens were a team pulled from their belly and left Cleveland sort of dead, like the alien <laughs> coming out of Sigourney Weaver and other people in that show. It wasn't Sigourney. But, you know, it's like alien. that's how it feels to me with the, with the, the Cleveland movie, Browns. Technically, the, but, the movie. The movie. Alien. Well, you know, look, like, here's the thing. The Titans game, I think, changed perceptions. But you have to deal with the Baltimore Ravens if you're Cleveland. This is a huge game for who they are because if you go and get stamped, I think a lot of people will look at Cleveland again and say, close, not close enough. And it starts with stopping the run. I look at someone like Sheldon Richardson last week, what he did to Derrick Henry on those first mm. two drives, stopping him on fourth and one, causing a fumble on the next drive. 
that threw Tennessee completely out of orbit. If you can get plays like that against this running game and be as physical as Baltimore, something the Browns have not been in the 2000s at all, uh, that would be the formula to shaking them up, roughing them up, Whew. and being their equal. I'm so, so excited, so excited. About it. This is my game of the year Whoa. the rest of the way. I'm usually not into, like, you know, just hashtag and narratives, but – if the Browns lose this game, they're kind of still the little brothers. They, they've never, like, this is, Ravens Browns should be a great rivalry, partly because of bad reasons, because of what, what Mark said, that they ripped, you know, they broke poor Mark Sessler's heart and a lot of other Browns fans by leaving town. And they've never had a meaningful December game between these two teams where they're both good. The closest thing I have is they, they were both seven and seven in 2002, and the Browns ended up making the playoffs that year. That's the closest we get, but these teams are better. And my head says, Actually, the Browns have more going on with them right now. It's AFC North. It's two great running teams. It's two teams I think you can attack the other one's defense on the ground. So it's just as like perfect as it could possibly be. And you're not going to slay Dragons in Week 14. But, Mark, wouldn't it be good to just knock the Ravens out of playoff position right now? I mean, it'd be a good. little bit of payback. Good. It would be will. a magnificent thing, right, Mark? Yeah, I think they will slay Dragons. And you know what? I, I have... Um, uh, in our lock world, I've gone with with my head all season long, and I'm Whoa. one game behind Greg. But I do think that the Cleveland Browns um, are the equal of the Baltimore Ravens. And so I am, without too much hesitation, I'm going to go for it. I'm locking up the Cleveland Browns. Let's do it. What could go wrong? <laughs> what could go wrong? Wow. That's what I'm talking about, Mark Sessler. I love it. Uh, the Browns obviously looked awesome in the first half against the Titans. A big part of that, obviously, was Baker just playing out of his mind and a clean pocket and spotting receivers and throwing it right on the money. The Browns have allowed only six sacks since Week 7, and they've only allowed 13 QB hits since Week 7, so they're protecting Mayfield. And when you do, I think that sets them up very well. On the other side, the Ravens only have six sacks in the last six games. So this could be set up well for Baker to, to stay hot I want to see that. I want to make sure mm. that this isn't a, a one-off monster performance in the first two quarters against the Titans. Um, and there's the other side of it here, boys. And listen, on Tuesday's podcast, I did say that the Ravens were going to win out. I said it. I said it before they played the Cowboys. And we saw what happened that night. They absolutely looked like a dominant 300 rushing yards. They got their swagger back. And I think for that reason, the Browns are in a tough spot. I, I have to stick Ooh. with my premonition when I looked in the future. And listen, Mark, you can't take it personal because this is bigger than both of us. It's bigger than anything in week 14. We got a certified lock off because I got the Ravens <laughs> continuing their playoff push and beating your brownies. Spanking the heinies of the brownies, and you'll be okay because you'll be nine and four after this game. But this is Baltimore's time to rise, and I'm sticking with that. I won't take it personally. You know, we're we're normally in our show by week 13, 14, 15, we're waving goodbye to Cleveland and wondering who they're going to hire mm. as a coach. Um, I I understand they're going to they're going to trip up at some point here. Uh, I like this lock off, Dan, an honorable one. Wow, I, mean, I, uh, I the only thing honor. I disagree with what you said there, Dan, is that Mark will be okay. 
if the Ravens win this game. He no, I won't be okay. okay. <laughs> is that going to be okay? I'd be a little worried. I don't know if I'm whether whether I'm impressed or worried about the Ravens that they against the Cowboys that their defensive line doesn't look great. There's there's certain issues, but Lamar just kind of took over. The thing that would scare me the most is like all the honking Lamar's doing. He's seeing J.K. Dobbins running up the field, and there's and you can hear him because he has the mic on, and he's just going crazy. And to me, that's what it's about. It's those first round picks from 2018. Can Lamar just take over the game and just run like crazy and break? Cleveland's heart by his like force of will because otherwise I think Cleveland might have the better team right now yeah I I think you're right I think Lamar scoring that long touchdown run getting back on the same page with Hollywood Brown a little bit Mark Andrews I believe is going to come off COVID here the COVID list and that's a that's a huge addition it just seems like things are kind of come together here for the Ravens Uh, so that's why I feel good about this and, mm. and Greg, a little bit of pressure on you because what an excellent job by both Mark and myself uh, locking up a team, a very close, quality. narrow game. I don't want to, don't even think about, you know, some, you know, Saints lock or anything. We need you to, to bring it this week. No, you're not going to pressure me to move off. Well, okay. Nice try, though. Uh, what? It's what called honor, Greg. All right, with the primetime games out of the way, let's now dig into our draft. And Greg Rosenthal, congratulations. You have the first overall pick. What do you got? It was a tough one this week. So many good options, but I am going Chiefs Dolphins early. The Tony Romo game. Romo is the ultimate tiebreaker. Dan, I know you were trying to guess where I was going. Is that what you got? I come thought on. you were going with a different game and coming back. Yeah, to this that's game. right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can't come back because the, the TV show will be over, and I got to make sure I watch this Brian Flores team. I like what I saw out of Tua Tungavailoa last week against the Bengals. I know it was a quiet game overall, but if you saw what he did in the second half with the up-tempo offense, I think that was the best half of football he played the entire year. You saw a little more of what they did at Alabama. You saw some empty sets. You saw the hurry-up, and it's tough. He's being asked to do a lot. It's not a great offensive line. They're banged up. They've got three rookies uh, starting for them right now. They're counting on Lynn Bowden to come off their bench and make plays. Miles Gaskin's back in the lineup, (laughs) and he really helps them out. Jakeem Grant's a big part of this team. It's not the most talented offense in the world, and so I like that they're slowly building them up, and I think Brian Flores and Tua Tungavailoa can make this entertaining. I want to hear what Tony Romo's saying, so that's why I'm watching it. Well, I'm genuinely annoyed. Uh, this was the game that I wanted. Um, nice work, Greg. I think this matchup is as intriguing as anything out there this week. The Dolphins, to me, they are adventurers. Uh, they are up for anything. Uh, I just think this is a very unified <laughs> club. I don't know and what that means. you know, so, well, I just what do you mean? Like, what do you mean by they're up for anything? Just I think they give just me a little have bit this. There's this energy to them where I have no idea. <laughs> what their ceiling is, and who they can beat. And no one has put much heat on Patrick Mahomes. Can this defense that's averaging, allowing only 14.5 points a week, do it? Um, My concern is if they get into some sort of a track meet, I don't know if this Dolphins offense can catch up. They've scored over 30 points uh, once in the past seven games. The offense is my concern. But they find so many different ways to affect the enemy uh, that I just trust them to play a complete game. I really do. Mm. And they do a nice job of forcing quarterbacks into their second reads. Can they do it here against Patrick Mahomes? Very few can. But I think the Dolphins are a different type of team, and I trust them with Brian Flores to coach this thing up. 
So one of your reasons why you believe the Dolphins can hang in this game is that you, if you force Patrick Mahomes into his second read, th- that there's going to be trouble. Patrick Mahomes eats that up. He doesn't care about going through progressions. He's Patrick Mahomes, and he's playing at an insane level. This is, I mean, this isn't a lockable game, I don't think, and I've already locked anyway. But, like, I, here's the thing. I never have been all the way in on the Dolphins. I think it's clear if, if you've been listening to this podcast. I watched their game against Cincinnati. And again, it's the Bengals. And I saw a team that did not look very good at all in the first half. Turned it on in the second half. Give them credit for that closing out that game. But 19-7 over Cincinnati doesn't like fill me with hope that they're now going to charge into a game with a chance and, and, and light them up. And I think when you look at the playoff picture of the AFC, it just seems to me that Miami's going to be on the wrong side of this. Their final four Ooh. opponents are a combined 33-15 and 15 this season. That's almost a 700 winning percentage. So uh, you obviously you've got to steal one of these games where you're a big you're a big underdog. I just think it's too tall of a task to ask to happen at the hands of the Chiefs. I am I am not it, saying that because Patrick Mahomes has to go to his second read that the Dolphins are going to win this because of that alone. That's not my top bullet point, but I am just saying that I think they're a very complete take your second team. bullet point. I, I love I love the challenge of it. I I don't think that they're the better team, but I think that they can do weird things to offenses. We've seen it. We've yes. seen it, and I think that they can do something to Kansas City that other teams have not. And and we'll find out if I'm wrong. No one will, rem- will remember a single thing I've said here. <laughs> no, this is a good <laughs> well, setup they- for you because if the Chiefs do do their Chiefs thing, you're absolutely right. But if the Dolphins do step up, Mark, you look like a defense. You look like a genius. The Dolphins have the third highest blitz rate in the league. This is another part of this. So the Dolphins love to blitz. That's a big part of their scheme and how they've flummoxed certain quarterbacks this year. But no one devours the blitz like Patrick Mahomes, who has 12 touchdowns and no picks and a 140 passer rating against blitzing this year. It's just like it's very hard, and I commend you, Mark, to get behind the team that's playing the Chiefs. In general, he, look, what is the Chiefs thing, though? It's not winning games by a lot. They, they've they four straight weeks. They've been in close games. It's not running the ball. They, they're they one of the worst in short yardage in the league. I'm waiting for them uh, to steamroll an opponent. I think there's some reason for the Dolphins defense to have confidence because of what Brian Flores has done against Patrick Mahomes in the past. The Patriots defense did a good do- job relatively putting the clamps on him during his MVP season 2018. The Patriots defense this year, which has a lot of similarities, but not as good as Miami. <laughs> He did a pretty good job against Patrick Mahomes. They can keep it close. This Dolphins team, don't give up on them, Dan Hansis. Come on. I'm not giving up on them. They could they could lose out, and it's still a season where you feel good Win about Win a game by happens. two scores, Chiefs. Win a game by two scores. How about that? Do that once. All right. I think they will. How about that? All right. Let's move on. Now the old Zeuser picks. And I've just been happy with my drafts all season long. I just have to be honest with you. You've been doing a great week, job. When it comes up. Uh, I end up picking a game that's great. And uh, I thought, Greg, you were going Indy Vegas with the second overall pick. And uh, so I will welcome, I will run to the podium and draft that game. It's a playoff game. How about that? I like this. The the Raiders need to win this game to, to stay alive in the AFC playoff race. And the Colts, maybe it's not that dire for them because they are in a division uh, showdown right now with the Titans, but it's a huge game for them as well. Right now, this is the seventh and eighth seed in the AFC playoffs squaring off and two teams that did not, that were very fortunate last week and everyone is hung up and killing the Raiders uh, for what happened uh, against the jets and getting this miracle play, obviously that got Greg Williams 
fired. They needed a miracle to win the game in the final seconds uh, to avoid an embarrassing uh, loss. Oh, but hey, guess what? You know, there's another team that fits that exact description. It's the Indianapolis Colts who had a six-point lead with Deshaun Watson at the two-yard line going in for the game-winning score, and the damn center fires the ball at his shins for a miracle fumble recovery for the Colts. Otherwise, the Colts are coming off a bad loss, and people are talking about that. So I'm not going crazy about the Raiders. Obviously, my faith is shaken uh, over the last two weeks. I was a big Raiders booster on this podcast. I understand now that it could all go south after what happened against the Jets. But to, to pencil in the Colts as a team that will roll over the collapsing uh, Raiders, I think that's a bit rich. I don't, I don't, I don't question that. These, are, these two teams are very even, and players matter. And the Raiders are getting back three of their best players. Trent Brown, their right tackle, has been out for most of the season. Jonathan Abram wasn't out there against the Jets. And then Josh Jacobs. It's like – Teams can only take so many hits. That's absolutely huge. It kind of gets me to the point of how much does do defenses matter? You know the whole thing like running running backs don't matter. Well, how much do defenses matter? And because to me, if defenses matter at all, like if you have to be above a certain point, then the Raiders are just a house of cards that's going to fall apart. Um, but if you can just survive with like a lousy defense, which they've been all year, especially when playing a team like the Colts, then then they'll be OK. The Colts are just a different team when DeForest Buckner's on the field. You saw that last week and they are a much more complete team than the Raiders. Well, I mean, for me, you know, I, I think it's huge to get these guys back for the Raiders. They were missing their identity on offense without Josh Jacobs to some degree. But Derek Carr mentioned how they didn't practice well before the Falcons game. I wonder how they practiced before the Jets game. I mean, the Jets opened up with a 12-play, 74-yard touchdown drive. Um, They scored, you know, they ran for over 200 yards on the day. Uh, That's an aberration for New York. And and that is, you know, less of one for the Raiders, who have the least sacks in the NFL. So they can't rush the passer. So, Greg, to your point, I mean, most of these defenses uh, in the NFL right now are are, are solidly half-baked. But the Raiders one is is a little extra on that front, and that's my that's my area of concern. Um, but I'm not all out on them. I think that they are a team that uh, they, they've shown incredible fight at different times, getting healthy, getting these some of these guys back. Uh, the Raiders are fighting for their season. If they lose this one, five thirty eight puts them at a twenty four percent chance of making the playoffs. So this is your year right here. Yeah, they need they need to win, and I guess I just I'm going to go down with USS Gruden here uh, if it comes to that because I. It's a week-to-week league, and everyone thinks the Raiders are done now. And meanwhile, they did come off a win in their seven and five, and they're playing a Colts team that is not, you know, far superior to them at home. I know sure. home doesn't matter that much this year. I'm picking the Raiders. I think the Raiders win this game, Greg. I imagine you picked the Colts in your uh, pick 'em column. I, I did take them. I'm wondering, um, Basic. Mark, like, are the Colts a team that's down for anything like the up, up for anything like the Dolphins? Does that mean like what you call them on Friday night and they're ready to go out? It's more, or it's more like you're already in and they're. It's like you want to go hiking at six a.m. Like, yeah, well, I mean, down you know, for I'm, anything. Dan and I once went to a Super Bowl. I believe it was a Bud Light Super Bowl party where the tagline was "Up for anything," and we enjoyed ourselves. So the Dolphins, <laughs> I enjoy the Dolphins. The Colts, I don't get that vibe from them. They're like okay. you know Midwestern. They're very like let's do things by the book. Um, tough team, but they're not up for anything. No. <laughs> I remember vaguely there being like a, a rapper. Oh, Shaq was the Shaq was musical there. guest at that there particular a, Super Bowl party. Yeah, there was a unicorn um, that they had fresh bowls of paint. We painted a, a statue of a unicorn. Other things happened. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Time now for Road to Victory, presented by the United States Marine Corps. 
Up next in the draft, Mark Sessler. I don't think this is a game I would have picked a few weeks ago, but it's a game I'm picking right now. Arizona at the New York Giants. The frisky New York Giants. They're kind of like the old lunch pail dudes. And I, you know, I don't even know if children know what lunch pails are anymore. No one's carrying those things around at this point. But they are, they are morphing into a tough team. And I love the idea of, of Kyler Murray in a tough spot here, having to show who he is and who this offense is. I mean, if you take away that 59-yard touchdown strike to Dan Arnold last week, he opened that half 2 for 11 for 14 yards. I know they, they got a little hotter down the stretch, but... I'm a bit concerned about the Cardinals. You take away the Hail Mary against Buffalo, and they would have lost five in a row. They are, uh, they are in a position right here. We've talked about the Raiders as a team that absolutely needs a win. How about the Cardinals? The, you know, this, was a, this was a quarterback talked about as an MVP candidate at the start of the year. This Giants defense is not going to allow you to walk over them. They made life very difficult mm. last week, very difficult. And I, I think that they have a chance to do the same thing to uh, the Cardinals. Um, this is my NFC East team. I know that Greg is very high on Washington. Um, for me, it's the Giants. Well, well, I started thinking this week, Mark. You know, we haven't done team of uh, the Around the NFL podcast this year or in a few years. And I started thinking, if we had to have one this year, I think it'd be Big Blue. If Chris Wesseling would allow it, I think it'd be the New York Football Giants. D- Chris Wesseling will never allow a New York team to be the team of ATN. So you'd but have to Eli go. Eli Manning's not there anymore. I would have been the it same. It doesn't matter. Way. There's some. There's mm. some New York bias in there as well. He's 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 fed up with the Northeast. That's part of that. Mm. That might be it, but I've I've enjoyed watching this team all year. Their defense, they play hard. Uh, I'm excited that Daniel Jones is expected to be back. We don't know that for sure um, for this game, but that makes a big difference, and it gives them uh, a chance. Their defense has gotten better as the season's gone along, and I kind of think about them like I think about the Dolphins and the Patriots. The more time that they have together and the more time uh, that they know what all of their teammates are doing because it's a complex defense, the better that they are, and they're definitely bigger and better than the some of their parts. I think it's a really tough matchup for Kyler. And I know there's a range of outcomes in the NFC uh, where maybe even a 500 team could get that seven seed. But even even still, I think the Cardinals need to win this game to get their season back on track and just get out of this free fall. Uh, and Murray, over their last three games, and they've all been losses, averaging 60 fewer pass yards per game, almost 50 fewer rushing yards per game compared to the first nine games of the season, which... It tells you two things. He hasn't been the same player, and he was playing at an outstanding level before that. And that has been kind of my criticism of Arizona for the last month and a half. I think what we've seen is that this team can win games and compete for a division and get everyone excited when Kyler Murray is in a godlike state as a football player. Uh, but when he can't be that guy, and you can't ask a second-year player, unless it's Patrick Mahomes, to consistently be that guy, this is just an average team that needs help on both sides of the ball, and they're at least a year away. So I mm. think that's how they've been exposed at this point of the season. I don't, I don't see them pulling up the nose here. I think we're going in for a crash. I mean, it makes Ooh. sense that teams would gather knowledge on Kyler Murray, on guys like Lamar Jackson, who are so dangerous on the ground and put everything, every effort into not giving Kyler Murray those opportunities. And, you know, we've talked about it on the show before that Kyler Murray is seeing it with defenses. They are forcing him to hand the ball off. They're not allowing him to just prance around 20, 20, 30 yards of open field and do the damage he was doing. Can I jump in on that, Mark? You what? Can I I jump in on that? I'm hearing that a lot lately. Kyler Murray is not able to run anymore because defenses 
are now keyed in on that. Isn't that the whole Cliff Kingsbury thing, though? Wasn't that what they signed up for? That Cliff Kingsbury was supposed to be this gifted offensive mind in the Sean McVay mold? And meanwhile, all I'm reading about this week is how, oh, Kyler Murray can't run anymore because defenses have adjusted their game. Oh, and by the way, DeAndre Hopkins, if you look at his route tree this year, it's kind of absurd that he's not being used the right way, one of the great wide receivers in the league. Cliff Kingsbury, do something. Help this team. They need you. They're going down in flames. <laughs> right. and they need you to be the genius that you were sold as to everyone. You're not playing Rice University right now. So the NFL coordinators catch up to this stuff, you know. <laughs> and so much of their offense was Murray scrambling. It wasn't even the called runs. There was a good stat by Steven Ruiz on For the Win where basically they have the lowest amount of yards per attempt on RPOs in the entire league. That's a big-time disappointment. And let me give a shout-out to Leonard Williams, a former Jet who never reached his potential in New York, traded to the Giants for a third-round pick, a move that Dave Gettleman was laughed at over. He has been awesome this year. He has been an all-pro-level talent when you look at his production, and it was never better than against the Seahawks, two sacks, five QB hits, the big cat. Mm. I'm happy for him. I hope he gets paid. All right, Mark, it snakes to you, my friend. All right, I'm going to go somewhere that it's not going to surprise you. I'm going to go Washington at San Francisco. Uh, this game is intriguing. Now, we've forked the Niners, and I, I do believe their season is done based on our actions there, Dan. But, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, what I love about this season and the whole, um, you know, 12, 13 weeks of NFC East jokes that grew tired, that things change. And the NFC East suddenly is frisky, and it's the two teams no one t- thought about, the Giants and Washington. And what Washington did against Pittsburgh, that makes me a little concerned for Nick Mullins. you got Montez Sweat tipping balls all over the place, causing chaos. And I need to see a Niners team that gets out of the gate a little earlier than they did uh, last week when they were ravished by the Bills. How about we get Debo Samuel involved a little bit differently and earlier on here? And the running game. I, I don't know if we need 18 different people with carries here. Let's get someone hot and let's move on this thing. Um, Washington, to me, is an incredibly resilient and strange team. I enjoy watching them. Honestly, I think this is the first this is the first time that I can really remember good energy around uh, Washington. And I would say they should keep their weird name and keep their helmets. Don't go on this search committee to redo your identity. Keep this one. I enjoy it. You know, I was thinking the same exact thing a couple of days ago, that just through repetition now, Washington football team, it just kind of is a thing. It, it works for me as well. And I also, may I say that this is the second time this week, Mark, that your golden boy, Kyle Shanahan, you've just been – levying criticism at him for his usage of certain players, and I'm here for it. I mean, he knows more. He could tell you more in 30 seconds about football than I could tell you in six hours. So I'm not, it's not really critique of him. Um, I do have Raheem Mostert on my fantasy team. That could be there it is. part of my there messaging. It is. That's the answer. I almost feel like it's answer. generous of you to say that it would take six hours for you to match him in 30 minutes or 60, whatever. I feel like it 60 might be weeks. more than that. Yeah, yeah you know. I I look at this game, and I wonder if Washington can do it again. Okay, it's one thing. It was the game of the year for them. It was a magical moment. I I truly believe I will remember that game forever. Washington-Pittsburgh. I think they will, too. Beating the last (laughs) unbeaten and Alex Smith. Like, that is – that's a big deal. I'm not not laughing. Think about how bad this – It's the most great thing you've ever said. I will remember that game forever. And I believe you. On a Monday afternoon at 2 o'clock for Alex Smith to do that. Don't you think they will, too? But you don't remember anything, Greg. What's up? But you don't remember anything. (laughs) But you will remember this, and I believe it. Yeah. 
I remember. I do remember football games, especially like where I was when I saw Cam Sims pulling that one hander and a team without Antonio Gibson getting it done. I don't know if they do it again. I think this matchup is tricky, just the way that San Francisco runs their offense. Washington is not so much a team that's going to come after you um, and get a lot of blitzes and big stops. They really rely on the red zone defense and tackling, and this is one of the toughest teams to tackle, San Francisco. Ayuk, Mostert, Debo. And defensively, you know, San Francisco is kind of a coverage team that will take away the big plays. They don't have a great pass rush right now, but just because Washington won that one game, I don't think they're necessarily going to go steamroll on the other side of the country this week again. Yeah, it's kind of like a... It's a fine line here because you want to respect what Washington has, has managed the last few weeks. But also, I, I'm with you. I think the reason, for instance, the Niners uh, went in the tank on Monday against or Tuesday or whatever day it was against <laughs> Josh Allen uh, was because once Josh Allen and Brian Dayball uh, cracked the code of Robert Sala and that defense, it became a situation where it was Nick Mullins versus Josh Allen in a shootout. And we know what's going to happen there. Uh, but in this situation, you know what's going to happen with Washington's offense. They are going to dink and dunk you. This is a team that when it's uh, third and nine, will throw it four yards. I mean, th- there's no way we're going to have a shootout and you're going to put Nick Mullins in that situation again. So then I feel like just the game script is going to be much better for San Francisco than it was. And even though, Mark, we did fork the Niners, which means they have no chance of making the postseason, we stand by it. I still think the Niners have a have a W here, and it's going to be at the expense of the W team. Yeah, forking them doesn't mean that they're not going to you know cause some chaos down the stretch. They are. That's who they are. And I and I know that Kyle Shanahan nobly would not mention this, but I think having to relocate to Arizona and you know having to tell players you're not going to spend Christmas with your families. I think that took a toll against the Bills. I really do. I mean, these are human beings in a really weird 2020. Um, maybe they're a little bit more in a calm place, um, centered and together this game. Um, I don't think they're going to go to sleep, though, Dan. You're right. All right. Let's move on. The old Zeuser picks next. I picked one game that felt like a playoff game. My first pick, I have another one here. The Vikings at the Bucks. So, all right. So the Vikings on this podcast, we've... We've been calling them the team of Zeus TL because I got behind them when they were one and five, and now they're all the way back to 500. And right now, where they sit is in the seventh and final playoff spot. That's all good. However, there are things about the Vikings the last couple of weeks that are that make me feel differently than I felt uh, a month ago. And I don't, I don't necessarily think this is a team that is going to steamroll to that playoff spot. I think the Bucks are a, an opponent that could give them a lot of trouble. Coming off the bye, uh, Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, hopefully they get on the same page, Byron Leftwich, and they have a game plan that is more uh, tailored to what Brady can do. And I think that's the other big subplot here. One of the bigger or more interesting soap opera subplots of the rest of this regular season, uh, boys, which is Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, can they make this work? Uh, there's still so much to be settled. But if this team flames out, who knows what Oof. happens come January? I love uh, the Bucks in terms of that it's all or nothing. Like, I either think they're going to win four straight and steamroll everyone down the stretch, or it's going to implode. They don't make the playoffs, and you're right. Maybe Arians is the fall guy, because Tom Brady's guaranteed that money. He's still throwing he the ball nowhere. pretty well. He's not going anywhere. I like this matchup for them, though, too, because 
you look at the Vikings. If they can't run with Dalvin Cook, what do they have? Not a lot. And I don't think you're going to be able to run against the Bucks. And then you look at the Vikings offensive line. I think they've been struggling lately. I don't trust their communication. And you got to play a Todd Bowles defense that gives you all sorts of looks, all sorts of problems. And that's why I feel good about the Bucks bouncing back. And I'm locking it up against the oh. team of Zeus DL. All right. I like that. That's a good pick. I think you're a little strong on the Bulls, Assance. This defense hasn't been quite what it was. And did you say if you take away Dalvin Cook, what are the Vikings at? What about Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen? Yep. Uh, maybe the best one-two punch at wide receiver we have in the in our league. They're asking Kirk to do all this third and 13 stuff, and he's getting it done each and every week. But I don't, I don't think that works against Tampa. I mean, they didn't throw a deep ball until the second half last week. I would maybe, you know, test this defense uh, in that in that nature um, earlier on in this game because I don't it's not a great scenario for Dalvin Cook I have to wonder if the Vikings who you know the only teams that seem to impact uh, negatively the Bucks you have to be able to get to Tom Brady that's an age-old uh, we know that whole situation but they traded away Yannick Ngakwe when it felt like they were sort of selling the farm and he still leads the team in sacks he only played six games there <laughs> I I do wonder if they regret that trade because they are alive, um, but they can't rush the passer very well right now. And that's just a formula for them getting nipped in games. Uh, you know, they seem to constantly be alive in the fourth quarter, but then, then too many X factors, uh, you know, ring in. So I would like to see Minnesota, like, show up in this one. Um, I, I, the Bucks to me, I'm still trying to figure out who they are. I don't think that the, the sum of their parts on offense. Does this qualify as the fallacy of the predetermined outcome? Because Ngakwe went to Baltimore, but now he's injured and is a reduced player. If he would have stayed in Minnesota, would his foot hurt? Someone's got to take me through the science on that. The sliding doors. Or Ngakwe, I think, if you do his record right now, is 3-10 and on the year. He's played an extra game and the teams keep losing. He he trade him to Baltimore and they start losing. It's not your fault, Yannick. Yeah, don't tell like Stephen A. Smith about that. It's going to lead to an epic rant against the poor man. All right, let's uh, get continue to roll through week 14 but before we do that i have some developing news to share Uh, this week bob costas joined twitter or did he mark sessler's boyhood hero mark sessler's teenage hero mark sessler's 20s and 30s and 40s hero appeared to jump on Twitter as at real underscore Bob Costas, but no, it was debunked by his son Keith and his agent confirming it was fake. And then Bob Mark went on the Rich Eisen show to further clarify the air that he wants nothing to do with social media in the 21st century. Yeah, I mean, I, like his son basically said. Unless my dad has done a basically like an identity switch, he would never do this. And so I, there is argument, um, rich argument, to suggest that Bob Costas is not someone that is uh, totally willing to advance with the times in terms of um, uh, how he would express himself on social media. He's, he's a ghost on that front. That song, though, that little NFL Live song you played right there, that gets me. Mm, I don't – that's emotional. Oh, I can't Wait, let's, to let's Let's get out of the way and just listen.
I mean, I'm, if there's one thing that, speaking of social media tendencies, Mark, if he's not posting pictures by the Colorado River in 1992, everyone in flannel looking like uh, Shannon Mark. Doherty and uh, the other guy uh, from the Walsh family, it is Bob Costas' old school NBC video clips from NBC. I was just annoyed at all the people who were like, hey, Bob, was a, was a classmate of yours at Syracuse Journalism. It's great to see – like a million people with blue check marks <laughs> thought Bob Costas was like, hey, I don't know how this tweeter works. And he puts up a corny uh, background with a bunch of people from NBC as if he didn't have you know a little bit of a break up there at NBC. Like he's putting those pictures up as his background. It was pretty easy to debunk. I did it that night. I came af- after him and just took a chance that it was fake and, and it absolutely was. Greg, are you at least proud of the fact that I did not um, try to communicate with Bob no. Costas on any It was just like, hey, do you remember me from that you know, Syracuse class? It's like, you think Bob Costas is out here without a check mark, just popping in on a Friday night or whatever it was? Come on. Mark, were you, for a split second, you were filled with joy, I imagine, though, when it looked like Bob Costas had joined Twitter. I was freaking out. Um, but, th- but actually, my way into it was learning that it was a fraud. So for like less than uh... half a second... Um, I just took a look at the picture and I thought he is he has arrived. He has joined Twitter middle school. All right. Well, we will continue to track this story because who knows? Maybe Bob will say, man, all this hullabaloo. This has made me relevant again. I'm in the news again. Maybe it's time to get on social media. This is in a weird roundabout way. This is what I need to get my career back on track. Bob Costas. I'm not listening to any of that. <laughs> All right. Enough of that. <laughs> I don't know if Bob Costas will always be fertile, fertile ground on this show. I, I hope he knows. He doesn't. But I'm sure that right. would be a highlight for him. Just like Bob, we're not going to move along with the times. This Bob Costas joke, we're going to be doing it in 15 years if we're lucky. <laughs> All right. Well, as long keep... as you two keep showing an utter lack of respect, it will be a bit. <laughs> All right. Let's let's continue with the draft, Mark, I think uh, where we left off uh, – actually, no, excuse me. Greg Rosenthal was right, about yeah. to make his second selection. I'm excited. Uh, I need a late game. I'm going to take Jalen Hurts' first career start against the Saints. What a, what a great good. situation. It's a good value. That's a good value pick. Yeah. I, I mean, Taysom Hill looks like he will start again. Drew Brees doesn't sound like he's ready. And you think about what Jalen Hurts is stepping into here. Okay, uh, well, you know, let's hand the ball off to Miles Sanders. Uh, You're going up against the best run defense in the NFL right now. Let's drop back to pass against a Saints defense that's playing uh, better right now than they have all season. Uh, Going up against an Eagles offensive line that's mostly been a mess. It's a tough spot for Jalen Hurts. That's that's what I uh, am I guess, anxious about when it comes to this game, that you could see the Saints just blowing them out of the water, uh, especially uh, when the Eagles have the ball, because the Eagles coaching staff has not shown me much to believe in that they're going to cook up anything for Hertz. I thought Hertz needed to start. Wentz had basically benched himself. It had to happen, and Hertz made a couple nice plays, put him in there. Uh, But this is about as tough of a first start as you could possibly have. I mean, it is, and it shows you like how well... Uh, the situation has gone for Taysom Hill because of all the strengths surrounding him. But I wonder if the bar actually is relatively low for Hertz in the sense that this offense has been one of the most boring things that has occurred in professional sports in 2020, uh, that even a little bit of life 
any sort of sign sure. of life, um, he will be praised for. And, you know, I, I mean, if he, if he doesn't succeed, uh, you still have Doug Peterson hanging out there as your sort of Lee Harvey Oswald-esque scapegoat to just blame. So, I mean, Hurts, you know, it's not a good matchup, but I could see Hurts doing just a little bit of anything and people thinking, this guy's fun. Yeah, this was the right move. And I think it was a move that Peterson was loath to make because he knows he's tied to Wentz. And by benching Wentz, it's an admission of failure that everything that this season was built around on the offensive side of the ball was bad and wrong and failed. And now you have to pivot and hope Jalen Hurts uh, delivers something in this audition. I would hope they, they give Jalen Hurts the rest of the season. The Eagles are all but dead in the NFC East at this point and Wentz it does doesn't seem like I'm not saying I'm not saying that Wentz is going to forever be this guy now although that's certainly possible uh, but I think it, it's clear this guy needs to you know take a seat maybe have an off season build up some things work on some things physically mentally and 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 come back wherever he may be I mean they rank Wentz ranked 31st out of 33 qualified QBs in passer rating this season he had more giveaways than any Eagles quarterback through 12 games since 1948. The Eagles went three and out 36 times this season uh, so far, most in the NFL, more than the Jets. I mean, it's it's still hard to believe. So now you get a chance to get Hurts in there, and it's a tough spot against the Saints, who have been awesome, obviously, on defense this season. But it's, it's not a moment too soon. The Saints have allowed 8.8 points per game since Week 9. I am not excited about, you know, this is coming, a bunch of wit crackers with their like wordplay uh, jokes about Hurts, the last name, the fact that whether, you know, if someone gets hurt or if, if he hurts the defense with a nice pass, um, can we stay away from those? If you're someone that's inclined to use mm. that type of humor on Sunday, um, please check yourself at the door. Just a public well, service announcement. I'm not really deeply, despite Colleen being one of our favorite people and we love John Gonzalez and... Philadelphia. I don't know Philadelphia very well. John Ronald Gonzalez, born March 12, 1977, is an American sports writer who is married to NFL media broadcaster Colleen Wolf. John, who's a Pisces, resides in Los Angeles with his wife and two dogs. Despite the proximity growing up to the city, uh, so I don't know if their, their dailies, uh, tabloids, have the same zeal when it comes to headline writing that the New York Post and the New York Daily News uh, do, but uh, Love Hurts feels like one that's bang. If he, if he plays well, Love Hurts. That's not bad. A lot of everybody hurts. I mean, we're getting off. Uh, at least, you, you know, you don't have to worry about dying on Taysom Hill. Hill seems like he's in a nice uh, nice spot here. Made some good throws last week. Thought thought um, he's getting a little too much credit for a game where he fumbled twice in the fourth quarter, and one of them could have been – was as bad as Mitchell Trubisky's fumble. I, I think worse, really, if you look at the play that he had at the end. It's just he got lucky and it went out of bounds on him. He has nine fumbles on the year, so the only two players – who have fumbled more than him are Carson Wentz and Jared Goff, and Taysom Hill's barely played. I mean, that, that's a pretty that's a pretty big issue for him. He reminds me a little bit here. I wish uh, Wes was here to, to check this one of like a poor man's rookie RG three because he he can make the throws. The running ability is is next level. He's so physical. If he's got the first read there, he can make those throws, and you're going to scheme him up. I think that's only going to last so long. But he reminds me of kind of like a, a good rookie, you know, a, a, the good RG3, the rookie well, RG3. RG3. People forget about RG3, especially like you saw him most recently, and it was sad. It was like a old thoroughbred that needed to be put out to pasture. But 
I mean, I remember one game in RG3's rookie year. It might have even been the, his, the opening game where he just went nuts, where he got to the outside and then just toasted everyone uh, because he was the fastest guy on the field. Taysom Hill doesn't strike me as the same type of Almost athlete. Almost there. I mean, to me, he's there just a peg below, you know, Kyler and Lamar as runners, but pretty much right right next, I, mean, I would say, you among said running poor quarterbacks. Yeah. You said yeah. poor man, so it's like it would cost a lot less money for that player and he would do <laughs> lesser things. Uh, that's fair. Nice backup. Um, I want to say before we move on, Alvin Kamara, listen, fantasy owners out there, good job. We got the W. Uh, we got the touchdown last week, but it, it, it should be noted that it is no longer just a blip on the radar. Alvin Kamara has seven receiving yards over three games with Taysom Hill. His lowest amount of receiving yards he ever had in one game was seven yards, and it happened once his whole career. And now he has seven total in three games. So that's just not part of this offense uh, with Taysom Hill. But uh, as I said, I think on Tuesday's show, this is a huge start for living on Taysom Hill. If he lights up the Eagles – it gives Sean Payton a lot to think about uh, down the stretch. So very interesting game there, even if the Eagles aren't so interesting this year. Greg, it snakes to you. Ooh, I'm really struggling with this one. It's uh, I need another early game. I, I kind of like banging out games that I don't want to watch on Game Pass. Just like get it out of the way. Uh, let's go Texans-Bears, which I think hey, will be the first time okay. we do something. A little hey, special. Ricky, let, for these games, now that we're later in the season, we have so many games to get to. We're going to uh, start a, a two-minute drill for certain games that are not as saucy in the back half of these preview episodes. So let's set the clock at two minutes to talk about Houston-Chicago. Hit it, Greg. I mean, don't blame us, Bears fan. You guys did this to you. I, the Bears-Lions game last week was one of the first games all year I was watching on Game Pass thinking, like, I, it reminded me of you, Mark. Like, there was kind of a Quentin Tarantino cut about 45 minutes on Game Pass where they're showing a lot of replays of second down <laughs> and nine uh, eight-yard gains. It's like I've seen enough of this Bears team. Part of it is because Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn are doing nothing. Combined one quarterback hit between the two of them in the last four weeks. How about that? Yeah, it's like we – you know, if you don't watch the Bears, you think, oh, their identity is defense, and they're actually – like they're not their takeaways are far far lower than they were in previous years. They just got smoked for about 400 yards through the air from a Matthew Stafford Lions offense that has struggled to do things in previous weeks. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know who the Bears are right now. I don't think they know who they are. Yeah, if the if the whole thing with the Bears was we knew their offense wasn't going to be good going into the season. They needed the defense to be special. If the defense isn't special. It's just like what what's there at this point? Uh, Matt Nagy, his job security, he's in a tough spot right now. This is a tough game for Bears fans because it's all going to be about how they didn't draft Deshaun Watson, which I think should get to the point that Texans fans, you know, aren't thrilled with their lives right now. And there's a lot of drama in their front office. But just be happy you're not the Bears. Be happy you have Deshaun Watson because, you know, that that's a pretty big difference. Knowing that he's there is still a great gift. Right. I mean, he nearly beat the Colts on his own. You take away that errant uh, snap at the end of the game. And we're talking about both those teams differently, especially the Colts. Mm. Kiki Kute that is a nice free agent pickup if your fantasy playoffs are picking up because Deshaun Watson is going to continue to find receivers and and pile up points and Brandon Cooks I guess is the is the number one guy there uh, but Kiki had a really nice game I believe 140 yards uh, in that near win over the Colts and that's a pretty good Colts defense so keep an eye on that I like it all right let's move on uh, the old Zeuser will grab uh, Jets at Seattle, a late game Sunday. 
we touched on it very briefly on Tuesday, but that the um, Hail Murray, uh, Hail, not Hail Murray, the Hail Mary basically from Derek Carr got Greg Williams fired. Uh, and it did prompt my favorite uh, Keith Hansis text of the year. Let me, <laughs> let me find it because I haven't. Uh, Dad and I have obviously been in touch about the Jets as um, we always are, but it's been such a, a sad year that there's just been less of it uh, because what is there to talk about when the team literally loses every week? But uh, this is the text I got from my dad on Monday morning at 10, 12 a.m. Gase fires Williams. Are you kidding? That fool firing someone else? <laughs> uh, I do miss your dad on the show, but I, I think it was an act of um, extreme mercy to not uh, force him into this. Um, I, yeah. I, I would hate to be the Jets this week. I think you're getting an angry, annoyed Seattle team that, you know, for all this uh, business about how they can't rush the passer, and they can, and in many ways they can't, they lead the league in sacks since week nine. And I, a lot of it has to do with Jamal Adams, and there's the Jamal Adams versus the Jets thing. I mean, it's like these oh, were God. some of the. Don't get me well, started on no, that. I think some of these revenge games are totally absurd. It's like a, uh, you were paid a ton of money. Um, you you started to get extremely mouthy. They got value for you. You got what you wanted. I mean, maybe you wanted to prance off to Dallas, but you're probably happy you're not there now. And and so the revenge is you're going to go uh, lay a hurt on on Sam Darnold, who doesn't deserve any more ill will this entire season. I don't I don't buy the narrative. He has been. He has been a really good addition to their defense. Got it. You got to give. You got to give him that when yeah. he's been on the field, even if he's not maybe the best cover guy. They use him. This is an interesting stat. They use him as a pure pass rusher on a quarter of his snaps on the field, just about, which mm. is you know notable. It's pretty good uh, at it. Completely out of. Um, it makes him a unique player, uh, and he does his job. He averages about a sack a game that he plays in, so he he fills that void. Uh, which obviously they they needed somebody that could get to the passer, uh, but has is their defense any better this year than it was last year? Maybe it, it is better than it's been the last few weeks. Uh, but I guess Greg, I, I'm keeping an eye on this offense for the Seahawks. It's very rare that you remember seeing Russell Wilson be so frustrated uh, and look so frustrated as he was against the Giants when he got sacked five times and hit a bunch. And there was criticism after the game that yes, the Seattle offensive line is a liability, but Russell Wilson with his playing style basically passed himself into some of those sacks. Totally. I think it was the coverage that confused him. I think he's held the ball a ton. That was not on the offensive line last week. You've seen more of those Russell Wilson running around like crazy, hoping to make things happen plays in the last few weeks than I feel like we've seen in a few years. Now that used to be a big part of his style, but now he's more, you know, get the ball out on time. And all the people who are anti, you know, let Russ cook, like, hey, we got to run the ball. They're crowing right now because he, he's second in the league in sacks taken, fifth in fumbles. He's not in the top 10 in QBR right now. There's been a lot of negative plays. I still think you want to make their passing game the biggest part of their offense, but they got to come up with something against these um, deeper defenses that take away their receivers they need josh gordon to help them out i don't know they need some more weapons i think other than just Lockett and metcalf in 2020 you need more than two guys how old is josh gordon at this point i feel like he's been in our lives for like he's not playing by the way next week he i think he could return by week 16 by the way but uh 
He's not that old. He is 29 years old. <laughs> DK Metcalf could have 200 yards against this Jets secondary. Yes, it won't matter this week. It won't I mean, matter. the Seahawks have averaged less than 20 points a game in the last month, which is kind of hard to believe. Uh, but I think that changes. And you mentioned Josh Gordon, a former Baylor standout. Denzel Mims, one of the guys you look forward to watch as a Jets fan. One of the few things you have to look forward to. We had a family emergency. He had to fly home to Texas. Hmm. And because of the COVID regulations... Uh, the fact that he flew out of state, he can't get cleared to play Sunday. So I mean, so he's just not going to play. So you lose Denzel Mims from that offense. Good luck to the Jets. Uh, see how Seahawks looks like a chance to get healthy. All right, up next, Mark Sessler. All right, I'm going to go Tennessee at Jacksonville. Uh, that's an early game. Uh, I, I, you know, I think a little bit lost in the in the whipping by Cleveland, which is really a first half affair because in the second half, I mean, Tennessee's offense was awesome. Um, unstoppable. And I think that's been kind of the case with the Titans on a weekly basis. Uh, it's what I expect to happen this week against a Jacksonville defense that has not held opponent under 21 points since week one. Uh, you know, th- their defense is not terrible, by the way. But I just don't, I don't, I think Tennessee playing for their lives right now is going to come in um, highly agitated. Tannehill threw for nearly 400 yards against Cleveland last week. And it just gets a little bit lost in the weeds um, that they, they, a few weirder things had happened. Um, they could have won that game. And, and they, I think they are certainly the equal of the Browns. Mm. Um, and I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to see what would happen if Cleveland played them again. I really just think that I like mm. this Titans team a bunch. And um, this to me feels like sometimes, you know, daddy needs a blowout um, on some ah! of these Sundays. Let's, I don't need all these games your going da- into your the Your daddy in this case? In this case, yeah. Like, do, are my needs ever addressed, met, even thought about? Um, often not. Uh, but let, in this case, this is, I'm asking for a very small thing. Put Tennessee, it in his tummy. What? Put a blowout in his tummy. Exactly. You know, because I didn't get the yummy, yummy thing correct last week. That game was all right, but it was not what I was expecting. So That was the... You know. That was the San Francisco-Buffalo game that sure. you wanted in your tummy, yes. Yeah, that was one thing that um, when that got tweeted out, a lot of people thought it was uh, slightly odd that the, uh, the the Marines, our sponsor, were attached to that 10-second sound clip. I don't think it's what the Marines mm. are going for from an I- image angle, but it, it, was, it, had, it was not a commentary on the Marines. We, I don't, 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 don't be so quick to think that. That might be exactly what they were looking for. Um, <laughs> I, I'm surprised to hear you put so much – into that second half by Tennessee because they were so thoroughly. I mean, it was 38 seven at at halftime and Tennessee has allowed 30 plus points in six games this season. Uh, Only the Bengals have uh, fewer sacks than Tennessee and John Robinson. He's got to eat it because this is a team that was a step away from the Super Bowl last year. They needed help on defense, uh, especially in the pass rush. And he went out and got Vic Beasley and he went out and got Jadavian Clowney and neither of those guys did jack squat for him. So they feel like they're in the same spot. They're not any better. And I like the Titans too because I really love the offense. There's just so many studs on that side of the ball. But with a compromised offensive line and a defense that can't really play, uh, it just seems to be a ceiling on this team. Mm. They just seem like a team that needs to play with a lead. There's a couple teams like that out there. They might get a Dory Jackson back. They've been hoping, you know, he's missed the whole year, I think, or maybe he played week one or two. I remember you, you say how I forget everything, but, I, you know, 
I, I could. Yeah. I I remember this Jaguars Titans game in week two very well because that was at the point in the season when I was completely overrating the Jaguars coming off a week one win and they outplayed this Titans team in week two. They ended up losing thirty three to thirty because of a bunch of turnovers, even though they put up about five hundred yards with Gardner Minshew, who's wasted away on the bench. Uh, but it was kind of the start of this Tannehill season that I'm really I'm just so impressed uh, how he's changed his career because you know we we talk. Yes, he has weapons, but he doesn't have much of an offensive line, and he certainly doesn't have a defense. And he's a top ten quarterback. There's not. You're right. There's not a lot of reason to think Mike Glennon can keep up. Mike Glennon's played okay, but if you're gonna look for like a team that you know might be, they're not. They're not tanking on the field. But if the front office is the one deciding that Glennon's playing, that's a little tanky. It's a little tanky. This is to me the last stand of the Manchuvians, where. You know, he's had his chance as a starter. He didn't play very well, didn't he lead the team anywhere. He played pretty well, though. He was okay. And then he gets hurt, and the coach doesn't want to put him back in. And, but the Manchuvians can say, well, you know, if they just would have put Gardner in, things would have been different. You get to have that hypothetical and take that into another offseason. So I don't I don't think the Manchuvians are very loud right now. I mean, I, I, I think this is a scenario where, like, they're not playing him because he gives them too good of a chance to win games. I, I mean, don't buy that. I don't I, buy I that do, at all. I Glennon's do. played okay. I mean, to be fair, Glennon's, Glennon's looked okay. like a, a fine backup quarterback. Not a good one, but a but guy who like, should be in the league. Well, then, that's kind of my point. It's like this idea that the only possible explanation for Gardner Minshew not playing is because the Jaguars are tanking because Gardner Minshew obviously is so much better than Mike Lennon. No, I no, don't no, believe no. it. I no, just but, don't but believe I don't, that. Like, I think actually if you're real about Gardner Minshew, he is who he is. I think he is going to be in the league for a long time. As a backup quarterback, he could make spot starts. I don't know if he's a starter. He I think, could be I a think, Fitzpatrick. I, I think be. he could be too. I think he could be too. But I don't think anyone is saying that the, the, this incredible coaching staff has come to the conclusion that Gardner Minshew is the worst quarterback on the roster. That that's absurd. If that's the conclusion they've come to, just to me, there, there's something a little going on behind the scenes. That I agree with. Well, no, you're no. loving. I it. agree you're with that. It. Something so we, strange you know, <laughs> is afoot here. I don't hate it, Mark. I don't hate you're, it. You're, I know, it's it's a, it's a perfect late season storyline for you. Anyways, uh, my my team is zero and twelve. Mark, give me what I can get. Uh, uh, you're enjoy up again whatever on the you snake. can. I, I will give you something that you won't enjoy next. I'm going to go Dallas at Cincinnati. I believe this would qualify as a quicker conversation. Two-minute drill. Hit it, Ricky. All right. I want to tell you something about the Cowboys that really annoys me. Um, and it's not news to most people. But, while, you know, Dan, we covered that Ravens-Cowboys calamity for Dallas. I saw a team that just basically gave up. And the body language, uh, as they were panning along the Cowboys bench at the end of that game, defenders just sitting there with their helmets half off scowls on their faces, no energy. And you know what my problem is? I've seen the Cowboys look this way multiple times. It wasn't just that game where the season is completely lost. Multiple games. I don't think they've ever bought into Mike Nolan's scheme at all. Guys like Jalen Smith, who were productive in past regimes, uh, guys you you build your defense around, have been completely lost this season. I see no argument for this coaching staff to keep Mike Nolan next season. It's not personal oh, at gone. all. But it, no, but here's the thing. Do you trust Mike McCarthy to say goodbye to one of his boys? Like, I just think this feels like a very... Oh, Jared old. will say it. It's Jared's show. It is. Uh, sometimes this can cause a problem with the coach. I, mm. I, I wonder what happens to this coaching staff. Because, frankly, the argument does not extend to keep Mike McCarthy for all he's shown us. 
but get rid of Mike Nolan. I get that there's injuries and stuff, but other teams with injuries have been much craftier in terms of game planning, everything, than the Cowboys. Hey. They feel like a coaching staff shot to us from 1993. It was, a, it was a dark, dark night for the Cowboys, and hearing Troy Aikman just be so sad uh, just told the whole story. Uh, I want Troy on every Cowboys game from now yes, on. That was delicious. highly entertaining. I liked it. it. <laughs> He's great. I have no problem with Troy wearing his emotions on his sleeve. He is Mr. Cowboy. And especially at this time, I would imagine if you're a Cowboys fan, it actually it, it feels good. It's like Joe Beningo moaning about the Jets on WFAN at 2 in the morning mm. uh, in the 90s. Loser of this the- game. Big big one for the number three overall pick here. The, the Cowboys could yeah. actually lose and get ahead of the Bengals. Can you imagine? And Dak Prescott up for a trillion dollar contract, and the Cowboys in position maybe to draft a big time college prospect. A team that needs to reset their salary. Keep an eye on all this. Um, uh, Speaking of that Bengals uh, team, they played the Dolphins. I just want to quickly share before we go on uh, my favorite thing I've seen on a the most impressive thing I've seen on a football field in 2020. I want to give the man credit, Ron Torbert. He's been an official in the NFL forever. And uh, let's listen into after one of the uh, melees that happened in this game, what Torbert pulled off. Fouls by both teams, both during and after the play. During the play, personal foul, interference with the opportunity to catch the kick by the kicking team, number 80. During the return, personal foul, illegal blindside block by the return team, number 86. By rule, Miami is elected to enforce the uh, kick-catch interference foul from the previous spot, replay fourth down. After the play was over, personal foul, unnecessary roughness by Cincinnati, number 36, Miami, number 11. Also, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct by Cincinnati, number 22. Number 36 from Cincinnati, number 11 from Miami, and number 86 from Miami are all disqualified from the game. It'll be fourth down. That is – now, if you, are, if you are listening to this podcast and you didn't just see that video, you may think he's reading off a, a note card. Ron Torbert just gave a 60-second update on everything that just happened in that game with nary, nary a stumble – and just nailed everything. And I'm just like legitimately, not I'm not joking here, amazed that an official can do that, also knowing he's on national television as it happens. I love that you brought that up because if you remember on our recap show, uh, someone was asking, I think it was you, Dan, like why player X wasn't removed. The Mike guy Thomas, actually, yeah. Right, right. And, 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 and my takeaway was, A, I would never want to be a ref. I would be a huge hot mess in that scenario trying to memorize all that business. But secondly, his poise, and even the announcers were like, Wow, he handled that really well because you're right. It was like a it was like a state of the union address, no teleprompter. He delivered it flawlessly. Yeah, they the state of the union they have a teleprompter. That he sure. was just looking at the you're told a transit official face this direction of the field. That's where the camera is going to be on you and just start talking. And Torbert did it. I'm glad you pointed out that was one of those things on Game Pass. I always, you know, press the forward 10 second button whenever you see a penalty. It's like I don't need to see, you know, save some time. And then you just okay, hit it again. And hit it again. It's and I was like, how long is this thing going? Hit it again. Hit it again. It was, I've never seen such a thing. All right. Good stuff. Uh, Mark, I believe it snakes to you. 
Again, I well, I'm happy to do a third straight game. Oh, you did. Just, oh, you already yeah. did your second one. All right, that's up. That mean that means. I mean, to be real, I'm not. I wouldn't be happy up. to do that. So, it's back to the old Zeuser, and uh, let us go. So you took Dallas Cincy, huh? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Surprising. Okay, uh, let's go with hell. I watched Aaron Rodgers. How about that? Green Bay at Detroit uh, in one of the late games. Detroit, a nice little moment there for uh, Daryl Bevel. Uh, who took over for Matt Patricia in what's been just another deeply disappointing season in Detroit. And uh, the Lions with Matthew Stafford throwing for over 400 yards wipes out a 10-point deficit, 34-30. They beat the Bears after the game. Stafford hands the game ball to Bevel, and uh, Bevel says, my emotions right now, I can't even think straight. I'm just trying to wrap my head around this whole thing, what just happened. And there's your reminder. And everybody's like, oh, Doug Marone, he's he's working with the Jags to tank. No, 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 no. Doug Marone, he's playing the quarterback he thinks gives them the best chance to win because these guys are deeply prideful. Why are the we coaches, back here? The coaches, the players, uh, uh, an old uh, an old uh, colleague of mine at the Journal News, Jeff Gold, tweeted me recently uh, in response to talking about tanking. He said, and I thought it was a good point, fans tank. Front offices sometimes tank. Coaches and players, uh-uh. And the Lions, uh, that was a nice moment in a time in a time in their history when there's not a lot of nice things. Uh, but now they won't have anything nice against the Packers <laughs> because Aaron Rodgers is steaming towards another MVP. It's unbelievable what he's doing this year. When now with the numbers as they as they pile up, uh, because when you essentially throw for three or four touchdowns with a one. 10 to 120 passer rating every single week. By the time you get to the middle of December, there's some like, oh, wow stuff going on. And that's what we have with Rodgers. Mm. The difference is he, he used to hold the ball so long, I think because he didn't totally trust what was happening on offense or there's just not guys open. And that was basically his downfall for years. And now he's getting the ball on time in rhythm. And that's a credit to Matt LaFleur and to Aaron Rodgers. I am hoping at least the Lions make this a game because the Bevolution is here. You know, that's what we're calling. The Bevolution is here. It will be televised. This Lions offense. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) You like it. I I mean, this is going to be hard to finish a show because that that just changed everything. (laughs) They were different last week. They played up tempo. They, They went bombs away. They stopped handing the ball off. I almost felt like... They just decided our defense is so bad. Let's not worry about like keeping the ball and keeping it away from them. Who cares if they give up 30 points to Mitchell Trubisky? Let's just make old Bevel look good. Let's have some Bevolution. Old Bevel. And uh, let's bring in DeAndre Swift back this week. So maybe they'll be a little frisky. Uh, you know, Bevel has wanted to be a head coach for so long. I think he's embracing it. He told the players, like, go have fun. And I know that sounds like super simplistic, but... The few times that I kind of tweeted about the Lions when I was trying to jump on that bandwagon, a terrible idea back in August. On the borough. I had someone we trust very closely who's been on our show before text me and say, uh-uh. And I was like, why? I mean, why can't the Lions be good? He goes, like, you don't, you don't understand. Like, these players, it's insurrection time against, like, Matt yeah, Patricia. Yeah. There's just zero fun in that building, and it is the atmosphere is rough. So I think there's something to Bevel coming in and saying, like, come on. Like, just enjoy yourselves. Let it all hang out. As Greg said, forget about the defense's issues. Um, maybe that gives this chance, this game a chance to be, to be interesting. I will say one thing about Devontae Adams. I read this incredible stat about him. 
of the players with 1,000 receiving yards and 12 touchdowns in the first 10 games of a season, which he has done, here is the list along with him. Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, Marvin Harrison, and Jerry Rice. I, I mean, there's just you can't say it in many different he's, ways how brilliant this receiver is. Mm, he's got a it's shot a to join album. him in Canton. I think he, I mean, I think it, so too. it's early. It's like we don't need to talk Hall of Fame candidacy in the middle of his career, but he has, he's got a chance. He's definitely on that path. And here's the stat that tells me this is going to be a bloodbath. Aaron Rodgers, as you might assume, under when he's not under pressure, will absolutely carve a team up this year. He's completing 73% of his passes, a pass rating of 123, 32 Ooh. touchdowns. And the Lions have the sixth lowest pressure rate in the NFL. So they don't get to the quarterback either. But uh, that's it. Green Bay will romp. I see it. I feel it. And I think you guys agree. Up next in the draft, Greg. What? So I get these two dogs as a snake at the end? I mean, I'm basically drafting for Shook, and we're going to hit two minutes is maybe too many for these last two games. Let's go, Falcons. Chargers. Yeah, you been... want to do two minutes for both games? Well, yes. I think that's what we got left, right? We're... Well, no, for total. Total. To total no, no, minutes? we'll give them two minutes each. We'll give them two minutes right. each. I'm Arr. just saying. You know, we gave like five minutes hit, to see hit how it gets. Uh, these poor fans, if they've made it this far into the show, I, I think one thing to think about with the Chargers, someone brought this up to me, that Eric Bieniemy, this would be the perfect spot for him. Herbert in the division – these offensive weapons, I like it. If I'm Eric Bieniemy, I like this Chargers uh, fit. I, I do, would be a little worried, uh, Herbert, just getting out of this season healthy. The way their offensive line play, has been playing, they, they've gone from kind of mediocre bad to worse. And uh, that's not usually a problem against the Falcons, but you just don't want to see them get hurt down the stretch. I also think like the matching with Bieniemy and Tom Telesco, I think they should keep Tom Telesco. He is... He's hit it on the. He's done a lot of good stuff with the draft. I don't think he should be swept out with the rest of the business here. Um, I think it's you know it's important to see how Justin Herbert kind of bounces back from a ghastly team loss, forty-five to nothing. Like, and I, I trust that he will. He doesn't seem to like hold on he's to his bad plays. Math, three out of four weeks now, right? Well, I think he's come back down to earth for sure. It felt like that was rock bottom, obviously, the Anthony Lynn era, and just to put in perspective. Um, how bad uh, they were on special teams. By one measure, it was the worst special teams game of the last 20 years. Uh, they missed a 46-yard field goal attempt. They surrendered a 70-yard punt return for a touchdown. And then they allowed a blocked field goal try to be returned for a score all in the first half. And then the Patriots had a 61-yard punt return just for good measure in the third quarter. Uh, and they and they pinned them inside the 10 three times the Patriots did. <laughs> oh, my insane. goodness. Oh my! None of this reflects well on Lynn. I, I think he needs he needs a miracle at this point, right? Well, and so Lynn is taking over special teams, but along the lines of what <laughs> oh, you just mentioned, no, that's they're fixed now. They're all well, good. I'm not saying it's fixed. It's just that clearly they're they understand that there are issues. But Football Outsiders has them ranked right now as the second worst special teams unit since 1985. Yeah, I, insane. It doesn't surprise Ricky, me. this has to be two minutes. Where are we at? Yeah, Dan's like, we're dying here. Uh, Six, five, there we go. Four, How about Raheem Morris? Three, four and one against two, non-Saints teams. One. There we go. Young Gray. 
All right, close it out, Greg. All right, finally, uh, what is still on the board? I'm losing track. Carolina, Denver. Denver. Carolina. Oh, it's the COVID Bowl. Hit the clock, Ricky, on the COVID we're, Bowl. We're now, um, we're now at the point of the season where the Panthers have nine players test positive after they come back from their bye week, and it barely makes a new news ripple. Um, mm. Technically, not all the nine players tested pos- positive. There were some close contacts. Curtis Samuel is expected to play. Gross Matos uh, is off the list, but they're missing a, a bunch of players. Uh, I mean, if they're eight and four instead of four and eight, it's a big story. Right. right. And yeah, it's because they were hanging out together, according to right. some of the they reports. Were, they were all together uh, at some – I don't know what they were doing exactly, but uh, it's trouble. I do wonder this if how this stretch run affects Teddy Bridgewater's future there. he's He has guaranteed money into next year. I think they're going to bring in another quarterback, a young quarterback, probably no matter what he does. But he he's probably played his worst games, I would say, the last two or three games that he played. I think two right. Broncos players that have that have shown up the last couple of weeks. Shelby Harris on defense uh, leads the league at deflected passes, which seems to be like the like a. I, I'm seeing more deflected passes this year than, than almost any other season. And Tim Patrick, I mean, this guy is developed into a true weapon. On it's not a guy anyone talked about. In He's their number one. He has the most yards of anyone on the team of all those young good weapons in Denver. He has the most yards. He's a good player. That's Dan? it. Dan. No, I, I, oh, Christian McCaffrey finally ready to come back, and turns out he tweaks his quad Ugh. last week in practice, so now he's he's questionable at time of this taping, and it's like, geez. Well, I, I guess part of it is like, why you know, if he's kind of banged up, what are you pressing him for when they when for the they, fantasy okay. playoffs, Sessler? Well, true, I guess they should be very <laughs> concerned about that, but they've Ten, been good. Mike Davis nine, been good on the ground. Eight, well, seven, eight. six, five. You get crazy four, about Mike Davis. Three, two. Mark, are we going to go crazy about Mike Davis? I asked the question. No, no, I just simply think that he's – it's one thing like you lose a player and the whole offense falls apart. Their offense has been one of the more fun attacks to watch. And, I mean, it's it's not that one-sided. They're pretty balanced. Hey, Ricky. um, Yes. Before we go – and I'm I'm not calling this into question, although I don't have any evidence because I didn't do the research, uh, that you you did correctly lock up a team after – and really, it was a scandalous move to try to lock up the Browns when they were ahead by double digits uh, on Sunday with the excuse that you had woken up at 1030. And by Very the way, weird. get up. It's football Sunday. You're the producer of if the, the Pats aren't playing at 10 a.m. in the world. I, I don't get up till 10, I need 10, you up. I need you up at 10 a.m. for kickoff. I mean, what, what, what do we need to do? But you then locked up someone, I guess, from the Monday or Tuesday slate. You got it right. Yeah, then the, I picked the bills. the bills. Nice job. See, didn't that nice feel good? Nice job with the lock. Nice one. Yeah, so I, four, got, nine. I should get two game locks. No, no, you should no. not. But let's let's now, instead of this all this ridiculous things where we have to track you, um, just lock something up right now. Lock it. But the schedule is so Lock it. Lock a team. Crazy. ASAP. I mean, who could Am I allowed to lock up the Saints over the Eagles? No, that's, oh, that's stop it. No. That's I mean, just out on, of the, that's just out of the window. Uh I'm amazed. That that would be one of my that would be one of the Rainmakers lock even with all those points. Uh, I like the Saints there. No, Come Ricky, on. you can't look in the mirror on that. Well, actually, you know what? You can. It's up to you to look in the mirror. If you want to do it, go no, ahead. No, that's over. That's over the the number. Is it? I thought it was yeah. 6 and a half. 7 and half or eight. Oh, okay. okay. All right. I'm going to be ballsy because you guys never are. 
And that's why okay. my schedule is so bad. Lame. That's why my locks are so bad. Will you, you just pick something? It's not you're true. Like Greg's picking the Bucks over the Vikings. Like, please. I give picked me the something. Browns over the Ravens. They're How prob- would you categorize that? They're probably going to win. Like, Lamar Jackson's wash, bro. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, well, maybe you should take the Browns, too. Yeah. Do it. Okay. I'll take the Browns. Right. I was going to do the Giants over the Cardinals. But. Wait a minute. If I'm making the same lock as Ricky, I'm very concerned. But <laughs> yeah, you, you want me to take the I'm Ravens? I'll take the Ravens. No. Take no. Ravens. Wait, Don't. you're that, you're that no. uh, easily persuadable. Erica, Giants is a nice one. The, Ravens. I, I, the Giants the was the one I debated with very closely, either Giants or Bucks. Yeah. Uh, Erica, the Browns are home. The Browns are 9-3 coming off an incredible game where Baker just played out of his mind. Uh, they are they are ready to make a statement. That is the team to lock. Do yeah, it. that feels super manipulative. Plus, it's a triple it's a triple lock off. I don't know if we've ever had that. So that's that's good Ooh, for that reason alone. That's good. All right, what's your choice? Who are you going with? I'm going with the Browns. Sorry, Mark. Yes. No, I like it. You're Come on a winning streak. They got it. You're on a streak. All right, good. All right, so got Ricky the first and the Sizzler pick versus the thirty second. Wow. Draft yeah, that's see that is the difference I find in this game. Um, <laughs> Ricky and Mark uh, lock up the brownies on Monday night. I got the Ravens on the other side. Big lock off. Check out at lock it up. Uh, what is it? ATN lockups. I think ATN lockups on Twitter. Uh, and and Greg with a nice lock of his own this week. So we'll, we're going to track all of these. Uh, on Sunday, and we'll recap every game we just previewed. Thank you to everybody. And remember, the uh, television version of this show is on NFL Network. It airs Sunday morning or Saturday morning, first thing in the morning. I think six a.m. No, it's five a.m. Uh, Pacific, but eight a.m. Eastern. Eight a.m. Eastern, five a.m. Pacific. And if you miss that airing, check out your local listings because it does uh, re-air uh, during Saturday. And maybe even into Sunday. So flip through your you TV everybody. guide. You know, it's probably on like page twenty-eight of the TV guide. DVR, TV guide. Game Pass. If the people do watch it on Game Pass, I think they put it up there. Good. Find it, watch it, support us. We love you. This is Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood. Until Sunday. Be like, you Take know, Taylor down. Swift and Haim putting out a collab on the new album tonight. Just be the Dolphins. I will be lose by that time. That woman is prolific. I that can't believe awesome it. Surprise. It's been five months since the last one. Well, well, she put out an album last year, too. It's three I albums know. in about 16 months. The only concern is it, it sounds like it might be leftovers from the previous session. It's the day. same writer. It's the national right. guy. So that's what I mean. That's a little problematic. Yeah, you... I looked at the track list. There's like 14. Well, they said and she said she on another writing. one, too. I'm just I saying, you pick, that happens a lot, though, and sometimes in the, you always pick the best ones for the first mm. But as I've as I've said, maybe not on this podcast, but a throwback a lot. I find her to be 
the Bruce Springsteen of her generation. And when Bruce was at his peak, he was so prolific that he would have yeah. an album and write 40 tracks for an album. And there would be a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor that was still really good. I think she could be, you know, she could do it. Yeah. I would not be surprised if this is good. Also, oh, if you so think cool. about it, 14 songs like every year is not that that's huge for a singer and songwriter. But it's not like it takes seven billion years to do that. Ooh! Wow, that's a take. Yeah, that's no, a I'm just saying, minutes. like, like we're Mark's used. Like, to... I wrote three songs this morning. <laughs> no, it's like you, like we're. I'm. I think she's the Colorado. Not like, two. I mean, we're we've done it. We've done. Me. 12 I lived in a van with the girl I hated. <laughs> Please, I'll come back to you, Colorado. Not it's not. It's not an anti-take on her. I think she's the best. But I did just, you like, watch her? Um, her live playing it at the, in the Long Pond Studios in New yes. York. Well, I watched the Apple special, the Apple Plus special, which was great. What was that? Oh, it's awesome. Uh, if you have Apple Plus, check it out. Uh, it was just the whole, the making of that album and then the guy from the Nationals in it and also oh, they, they aired that on from Disney Bleachers. Plus. That's where I watched oh, it. Oh, that's what I meant. Disney Same Plus. Thing. Yeah, so. Same thing. Yeah, you right. got to watch it. It's oh, I got to see that. Yeah, I have to see I texted that. you about it, Mark. You, you said you were going to watch it. I know. I'm not. I don't have endless, like, endless time to do this. Like, yeah, so. you do. You no, I don't. That's what we all do. You have time to tweet clips of her playing clean on the piano. Like, I you watch. You know what? Like, I realize, like, everyone else is, like, the biggest music experts on the planet. I have certain songs of hers <laughs> that I love, and, like, they may not be the same ones as everyone else, but. I love that song. You know. There's not a single song from her that I don't, like. Nobody was, no one was coming after your clean too. take there, Mark. <laughs> what? No one was coming after your clean take there. Clean is like the bet is like amazing. It's great. It's I think that ver- like her that version of it with her is super badass. It's a good Anyways. take, Mark. It's a good take. Good. I feel validated. I'm putting this at the end of the episode. <laughs> this is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to reu hotels and resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Digital trends show up every day in business decisions and actions. West Monroe is the number one strategic partner translating technology into financial value for companies. The This Is Digital podcast applies West Monroe's two decades of secrets and best practices to your business's benefit. Favorite past topics from the last three seasons include how AI and the next generation of employees are shaping the workplace, becoming a product company, Highmark's journey, and what does it mean to put the customer first? Learn more at westmonroe.com.